two sports 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 the relaxed social distancing of sports and culture coming to you from independent remote quarantine locations with me tonight my co-hosts the exclamation point the passionate one read uh good evening from the great free society and the question of Madison county the man who cares nothing about sports and still looks good with a beard, Rowdy. Did I do that? <laughs> and in the middle of the period, my name is Snoop. Gentlemen, episode 137. Is that right? No, 38. 38. Yeah. I'm, I'm like Ron Burgundy. Just put it in front of me. I'll read it. <laughs> yeah. How are we? Do you want to read it? We'll do it live. Read, read how's your freedom? Oh What's man, I got all like? kinds of freedom around here. People, people aren't even wearing masks. Nobody's worried about anything. It's just like uh, you know, standard operating procedure, business as usual. It's great. I can't wait for about another twelve days when half of the city dies. No, it's like it's like I was telling you before we started recording this. I, I think this is very smart because it's the um, it's 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 the secret maneuver. Yeah, and we're all just putting our intentions into the universe that this virus doesn't exist, and so you know that's gonna um, we're gonna be repaid, you know, a hundredfold. That's right. Just you know, if you if you ignore it, it'll. It's like it's like when you close your eyes as a kid, and, and you see a little kid close their eyes, and they think they're invisible. It's like that's what I'm gonna do. Just ignore it. <laughs> Uh, well, this monster is invisible. <laughs> we're, at war, we're at war with the invisible enemy. Yeah. Uh, and it actually says that in the letter from Trump that came after we got our uh, our Trump check. Which yeah. I still have yet to receive. Yeah. Which yeah. is cool. Oh. Well, that, that's a good segue into everybody sending read money. We'll just call it. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just call it. What are those things called? Pandemoniums. Uh, what are they called? Patreons. Huh? We got a Patreon. Oh, I, I, yeah. Maybe I should set up a Patreon. Well, hey, maybe. instead of a Patreon, what you can do is buy one of the brand new Park Place Arts T-shirts. Read. You why don't you tell them where they can get those? That's true. You can find uh, the T-shirts at ParkPlaceArts.com. And then, I'll send, and then I'll send you a picture of the meal that I bought with the money that you gave me. <laughs> Bologna and mayo. Yeah, I think I one of those snazzy yellow ones. I like them. Yeah, the yellow ones are cool. The blues have been hot. Okay. They're, they're going pretty quick, but there are plenty of yellows. Wow. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Clearly, this is a sports <laughs> podcast, and we have lots to talk about in this uh, these days of quarantine as all of the sports uh, – Leagues are well underway. All the games are being played. <laughs> NBA playoffs are just rock'em sock'em right now. Thank yeah. you so much for tuning Already in. into the second round. We know that you need your sports news, and we are here to provide it for you. With that, Rowdy. Yep. How about some sports? How about it? Hey, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys want to talk about how Major League Baseball is coming up with a plan to get back to work? They are oh. coming up with a plan. I'm hearing people are telling me sources are saying how that many phases 12 game uh, season 12, 12 game season which will take four days uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> maybe three and a half uh, maybe three and a half yeah it depends if there's a rain delay yeah. uh, they are planning on getting back to work in July so there's two phases phase well three phases I guess phase one is calling all the out of shape uh, players and telling them, hey, you guys might want to start like catching some laps, maybe taking some AB uh, because uh, y- you're going to be getting back to work. Then they're planning on having a uh, abbreviated spring training, probably starting around June 10th. Lasting about catchers. P's and C's will report probably June 8th. Got to get those two extra days. Yeah. Uh, then around July 1st, they're planning on opening up so hopefully let's say july 4th so independence day just like the day that indiana finally opens up in phase five completely yep so that is what is being reported right now according to my sources which is the internet yeah july 4th is the indy 500 and the brickyard on the same day right we're just going to do it all Mm -hmm. yeah they're planning on doing both the same day i thought it is it, or is it just the Indy Lights they're planning on doing that day? Either way, yes. <laughs> it's, they're going to race at the same time. It's going to look wild. 
<laughs> yeah, the open card is going to go 220, and yeah. you can't touch anybody. <laughs> and It's going to be called card. open wheel versus restrictor plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. This is, that would be like the first year of like uh, uh, the um, uh, mixed martial arts. Yeah. Like the first it's year that UFC was open, and it was like, no old well real no holds barred yeah 300 pound man versus 112 pound gracie like it it would be wild i would not watch that <laughs> so many people would just fly off of the track are you oh, kidding man. me that's hilarious yeah <clears throat> so that's that's the plan right now what do you guys think is it gonna happen no not a chance i don't no. i'm i'm really afraid that there's and I'll be okay with it if it happens, when it happens, I should say. But there's not even going to be any football, I don't think. Oh, you don't think? Nah. Now, why is that? Why are you thinking that? I know I know. Rowdy's already made his position clear. It ain't happening. Well, I just think that there's going to be a, another spike in all these states that are opening up, which Indiana's not alone. It's quite a few states that are opening up. Colorado, Texas uh some big states too um that there's going to be another spike because of this relaxed quarantine and then i think it's going to come back again in the fall full tilt and there still won't be a um what do you call it antidote not that's not right a vaccine Mm -hmm. so question for you then do you think it doesn't start up or do you think it shuts back down it starts up and shuts back down. I mean, um, I think, or, I or think are they going to have, have a date where they call it? Like, is this July 1st actually not the starting date? They're just saying, if we don't start by July 1st, we're just calling the whole thing off. For baseball? Yeah. For baseball yeah. specifically, but yeah, other sports. I think sports. they got to call that off. And, and plus, I mean, they're going to lose so much money. Um, and fa- I, I think it's a fiscal decision too. I mean, they're not going to be able to have all the fans. They're not going to, I don't think people are going to want to go to these games, honestly. Oh, no. I, think, I think, I think plenty of people will, but I don't think they're going to be packing out stadiums. So if I read, uh, this right last week, I think ESPN did a survey that said it was two thirds of fans were not planning on going to a game until there was a vaccine. I read that as well. Yeah. yeah. So there's not going to be and in baseball that's a lot of games and a lot of money but if you think about that like two-thirds of fans in tampa that's like 600 people not with tommy not with tommy brady coming yeah i mean i was was more talking about the rays than than, oh yeah well that's the the rays yeah the Rays it, probably won't lose a dime on concessions and ticket sales if they open up. They, they will. It'll be. They'll be the same as they were in nineteen. They were already socially distancing themselves. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, their stadium's already social distance. So why aren't there fans? Stay away. Stay away from there. Yeah. That's where they keep all the virus. So the thing I'm uh, worried about college ball is that there's not going to be any. There's been no spring ball and all that, and I mean, I I just think if they do play, it's going to be a inferior product mm. because they're going to be so far behind. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, springs to mind. Uh, let's say we get to um, July or August and schools universities specifically are not allowing students back on campus. Do you think that they will allow athletes back on campus? I think the SEC will. It's because they believe they're athlete students. Well, yeah, but just because of the cultural differences in the South for one, and just the way that football is religion down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they don't, if there are no pro sports, there are very few pro sports anyway in the South relative to other regions of the country. And then if there's no college ball, dude, I could see a scenario where there are no students on campus, but there's still football. I could see that. How could that, football. How could that possibly be? 
How Dude, could that possibly be? I have, to the south. You know how that could be. Well, I'm more thinking how could the NCAA allow that and still try to cover themselves in the shroud of anchorism. Yeah. Could this be the big break? Could this be the loss of control of the NCAA? Mm. Could this be the SEC breaking off and doing their own thing or the ACC breaking off and doing their own thing? Or even the Big 12? No, I don't see that. I would, I would say you're more likely to see uh, if players are required or asked to or required to show up to keep their uh, to keep their scholarships. I would hope that you would start to see them organize. Oh, say, I agree. Hey, look, if you're not going to treat us like every other student first and then athlete second, as per your own charter, then we need to be paid. Well, and the other interesting this is thing a money-making is proposition. These coaches are state employees, right? Like a like a Nick Saban or somebody well, yes, technically a state employee. For state and you're, college, paying, and you're paying guys forty, fifty thousand dollars a week, and they're not doing anything. And the re- and and people are drawing unemployment, and government services and stuff are shut down. That's gonna that's a big problem. Are we seeing I the think. downfall? Are we seeing the downfall of the? Uh... Uh, the NCAA and college amateurism before our eyes. Is COVID-19 finally hey, taking down that beast? I think COVID-19 could likely take down a lot of these beasts. I'm hopeful that it takes down some of these beasts. Hey, guys. Quite honestly. Update. Uh, apparently, this a report came from the team in Cleveland who had a Zoom call that said everybody should be ready for July 1st opening day. Hey, there we go. That said this was just a, quote, mark in the sand but not necessarily uh, a report that it, they were going to open. So yeah. perhaps it's more of that second thing where if we don't know, if we can't get in by July, then we're probably not going to play a season at all. What yeah. I would have liked to have seen is that they finally get in there in like August and they just play one big tournament. For a team that takes their name uh, from a culture that has been annihilated by uh, infectious disease, this doesn't seem like a good idea. That's ironic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Rowdy, you're still on no sport, the no sports train. Yeah. Is that what you hope or what you think, Rowdy? Oh, what I think. I don't. I mean, it'd be nice. And to hope have, a little bit yeah. of hope. It'd be nice <laughs> to have some weird sports stories to talk about. Uh, yeah. But, um, but there's there's still some interesting. There's still a little bit of interesting stuff going on. So, yeah. All right. What else we got? Well, uh, yeah, I thought, it. It. <laughs> I thought yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to take a look at how technology has revolutionized taunting in sports. Um, so there was a story out this week about uh, Sean Bradley, who is an Eagles. Sean Bradley from, from Space Jam? That's the Philadelphia uh, team. Uh, he's Eagles rookie linebacker. Sean Bradley from the Philadelphia 76ers that was the star of Space Jam? No, from the Eagles. Okay. Yeah. Um, So this guy, uh, so he was from uh, Temple. Mm -hmm. Is that a college, I guess? Where's that at? Where's that at? That's the Pennsylvania one, right? That's in Pennsylvania, right? Yep. yep. What's their their mascot? This is... Uh, all the way back to episode one. What's their mascot? Uh, a synagogue. They can turn. Their, they can turn their head uh, like two hundred and eighty degrees. Yeah. Oh, an owl. Yeah. yeah. Owl. You don't know now. You know. That's right. Okay. Well, anyway, so he was interviewed with uh, the local sports affiliate in in uh, Philadelphia, and he he said that uh, he would go on Instagram pages of the top offensive player on the opposing team and get information about their girlfriends. And then in the game, he would start talking about their girlfriends, like say her name and make it like a call. Uh-huh. Great. Um, he, he said, I used to look up, I just take the quarterback or the running back, go to his page, find his girlfriend or something, and then just be in the game talking about his girlfriend. I'd say her name, <laughs> make it like it was small. I'd get up from making a tackle, maybe push him on his head by accident, just bump him by accident, little stuff, but it varied from game to game. Um, 
but I thought that was kind of an interesting twist because it's, it's, you know, 20 years ago, this would not have been possible to, uh, you'd have to do a lot more sleuthing to be able to, to figure this out and really figure out how to, how to personalize the attacks. Sleuthing? Sleuthing. Mm. Swoofing. Yeah. Sle- like a like a wolf. Yeah. What pages did he go to? Like the Instagrams? Typically Instagram, he said. Um, and same same thing actually. There was a story uh, from uh, uh, from last fall by uh, about Jalen Ramsey. Um, mm. and Expert he, trash talker. Yeah. Expert. For he sure. said that uh, when he was in college, he, he used to get grimy, uh, he said. Uh, he used to, uh, he said, say I was playing like a big receiver at whatever school. I'd look up her Instagram and see his girlfriend, and I'd probably go slide into her DMs before the game. What? <laughs> you know, get into the game. He probably, he probably know about it. Maybe he don't. But either he know about it or he don't. But either way, I'm bringing it up in the game. Uh, but he said he quit it. He quit this tactic when he reached the NFL because he didn't want to mess with players who had wives. He said somebody gets shot o- over talking about somebody's wife. Um, and also, he says he's matured uh, more since joining the NFL. Uh, but yeah, I, just, yeah. I think this is you know the the nice thing though about about this is with Instagram. I mean, you could find all kinds of stuff to get in people's heads about. You don't have to you know keep it to just their wives or girlfriends That's true i mean you it could be you know your uh uh you know your your dated kitchen um your dated kitchen yeah you know, before and after yeah you know, i saw your, your weak succulent it. game mm-hmm. after don't much better <laughs> yeah uh it could be you call that an aloe plant you know I you you be you being the least attractive person in your friend group. Um, it could be, uh, I mean, you, you name it. Like there's, there's just a lot of opportunity to really, uh, this is just an aspect of sports I'd never really thought about, but there's just a lot you could get into to really get into people's heads. Um, it's so. the Kevin Garnett. Uh, Kevin Garnett did this for years. In the really? NBA. He'd talk about people's mothers. He'd talk about their children. He knew their wives and kids' names, and they'd be shooting free throws, and he'd ask how their wife was by name or say, I saw your wife last night. And all. Oh, yeah. Kevin Garnett was an expert trash talker. He That's was awesome. doing this way before social media. That's great. Well, see, and might I mention that two of the best trash talkers in NBA history hail from the Hoosier State, Larry Bird oh. and Reggie Miller. Yeah, what this has been popping up recently, this Larry Bird trash talk thing. What you ever YouTubed it? What's the story behind that? He, uh, one of the greatest stories about Larry Bird is what he did to Xavier McDaniels. Is he told him, "I'm getting the ball, I'm going to shoot it right here, and then I'm going to fall into the trainer's lap on the bench from the opposite team." And Xavier McDaniels says they threw the ball to Larry. He looked at me. He shot it drained it, and then backed up into the trainer's lap. (laughs) (laughs) That's not even trash talk. That's just like, I'm going to do this. Watch me do this, right? I mean, that's calling the shot. And I'll bet he never looked at Larry Bird the same way after that. Yeah, I've heard lots. Well, I've been watching that uh, Bulls documentary, and all those guys talk about how Larry was the best trash talker on the court in the 80s and early 90s. And Reggie, too. Reggie was Spike Lee and all that against the Knicks, against the mm-hmm. Bulls, against Barkley and the 76ers. Mm-hmm. That was a great era for trash talk. So it's just – it's evolved is what I'm hearing you say, Rowdy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's just, I, I think there's just a lot more uh, – I, I think – more personal now. It is, and I think that that's one it's thing. It's advertising, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's what focused- – it's advertising. Yeah, like that's right. Focus directed ads. ads. Yeah, yeah. Hyper targeted. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I feel like this is actually a big opportunity for athletes or student athletes, um, or athlete students in the SEC. To <laughs> you do listen. Yeah. yeah. Take, take this break, and just study up. 
know your opponents. Oh, yeah. Just just do a deep dive. You've got the time. Do it. Yeah. Find out their deepest, darkest secrets. Find high school photos of them. Find uh, you know a lot of people are on YouTube now. Can you find a uh, YouTube uh, a YouTube clip of them singing uh, karaoke when they were twelve? Uh, can you find, you know, do some digging, you can find this stuff and then, uh, use it to your advantage. Why not? Particularly now that there are people in the world of sport that had Twitter accounts at the age of 12 or 13, plenty of ammunition. Tons. tons. (laughs) So honestly, I don't know if this, I don't know the legalities, but I do think an interesting business opportunity i think we're going to the same place would be to create uh, a sports psyops uh, yeah. uh oh like oppo research mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i was thinking this. we should start I, this yep and i'm i'm there and i'm one step ahead of you i'm as, emailing myself right now I'm, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i put this in an envelope and i postmarked yeah. it to myself uh, and i took right, my like, picture with today's paper I'm, bes- I'm beside you, especially because you were talking about this time off, Rowdy. I think I've, we've got another opportunity where especially colleges will bring this in-house underneath the strength and conditioning coach, which can oh, year-round. They have year-round co- uh, conversations with, with players. So this is conditioning. It's mm-hmm. psychological conditioning. So they can sit there and talk to them about do- getting the reps in, like, hey, I need you to – Today, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday. I need you to go look up these 10 players and I need you to fill out this oppo research page on them and then and just then do that. Quiz you. Then I'm going to quiz you. Exactly. Then you have a quiz of this, the starting mm-hmm. offensive line for the Clemson Tigers and you need to know all their mother's names and all their girlfriend's yeah. names. Yeah. And then you just and you just then slide that guy under the uh, strength coach, which like saying it out loud, I'm hearing it now, but you put him underneath that and uh, in that same uh, structure, that same um, branch of the, the coaching tree and, and you let them talk to those players year round. And then on like, obviously on the other side, yeah, you can have like a standalone business, Rowdy. You're, you're absolutely right. You need to come up with a pricing rubric for this, Rowdy. Yeah. I got to think about that. I mean, we're essentially the, uh, 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 what's what's uh, Betsy DeVos's uh, brother's company? Oh, Black- Blackstone. Blacks. Yeah, we're 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 them. Um, so are, are we more like? Is that right? Are no. we more like scandals? Olivia Pope. Black Washington. Shonda Rhimes. No, we're the, just, yeah, we're the we're the Blackwater of we're the. No, Black- no, no, no. We're a, we're a Shonda Rhimes show for sure. But what happens if every team uses our service? Then it just kind of gets diluted, doesn't it? Don't we need to pick certain teams, kind of like Nike picks certain teams? No, we have walled. We have walled service. Wall to wall coverage. No, so so yeah. you're gonna get you're gonna get your own researcher, and there's no sharing. There's no sharing between teams. So right. we're, we, yeah, we're gonna be doing research. on the schedule. Yeah, we're gonna be doing research on the opposing teams, but but you're you're gonna know that. Uh, our privacy policy states that uh, this researcher is not allowed to talk to your opposing team's researcher. Dedicated database. No sharing of information. Yep, yep. Yeah. Completely, completely walled. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. super excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. make we're gonna make hundreds of dollars. Hundreds <laughs> of dollars for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we just need one. We need one. Yep. So if you have connections, if you're listening, you have connections to a sports team. Oh. I would be happy to, you know, I'd be I'd be happy to kick this off with uh, we'll give you a taste for free. Here's the but here's how we get started. It's it's two phases. Cuz we're in this we're in a uh, phase 1 of phases. Two phases. One, we get a hold of Jose Canseco. Oh, yes. Yes. And get yes. His, get with his management team. What's his what's her name? Morgan. 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 I'm thinking Monica. Get with Morgan. See if we can get representation and see who, what, who she knows. Two, we start talking trash to, it's like uh, account-based marketing. We start talking trash to a specific player on a specific team that we want to sign a contract with. 
So mm-hmm. let's get with Jalen Ramsey of the LA Rams. Let's yeah. start trash talking Jalen Ramsey specifically. And when we get him riled up, we can be like, hey, we can Listen, do this man. to you. If yeah. we can do this to you, imagine what we can do to your yeah. opponent. That's yeah. true. Fire us. If, yeah, if we can talk about your dead pets and ugly girlfriend, and yeah. imagine, just imagine the possibilities. And because, we can be mentored by Jose, who obviously rules Twitter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the man The man has a good trash talk game. Oh, man. Well, I think that's what we do. Rowdy, I'm going to put you in charge of Morgan. And Reed, I'm going to put you in charge of uh, go ahead and trash talk Jalen Ramsey. Love it. Mostly because I don't know how to use Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What else? This is a great idea. It is a great idea. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I want to I want to give a shout out to uh, Don Shula, who passed away this past week. I didn't know that Shula's Steakhouse was based on a guy named Don Shula, who was a coach. He was a coach. One of the greatest coaches of all time. Yeah. This is uh, that statement right there is one of the more rowdy statements. It is. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, do you know you knew who he was, or you yeah. knew, you knew, but did you know when you first saw a Shula's Steakhouse that it was probably that Shula? Yes. yes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Shula is the only coach to ever go undefe- have an undefeated season and win the Super Bowl in the NFL. Rowdy back in the 70s. 78, oh. I think. 72, huh. somewhere around there. Interesting. Yeah. 72. I saw a son coach once in Tuscaloosa. His son was a short-term coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, was it that short? Was it like five like years? Like three years, I think. Two yeah. or three years. Yep. He's well, I, put, put them on probation. <laughs> yeah. Now, did we have a Shula Steakhouse in Indy? Yeah, Shula Steakhouse. It was... Uh, Where was it? It was in one of the hotels. Oh, downtown, what? north of the uh, Victory Field, where the oh oh over by the college. Yep. Okay. Okay, but it's no longer here. Right now, our closest Shula's is Chicago. Um, oh, I thought they were all out of business. Is that not true? Oh, oh no, they've got a they have a they have an empire or well pre they had a pre-COVID empire. We'll see how, how things shake out. But Whether they go the way of Gary Brackett. I thought, <laughs> and as a way of honoring Don Shula, I could, you know, uh, tempt your taste buds with Ooh. some of uh, choice menu items from some of uh, Shula's uh, restaurants. Love it. Uh, and, and, if, and if you are intrigued by these, I would say, you know, why not seek it out and order some for yourself so um I remember the last time i was in a restaurant oh well that's that was part of the torture of reading through this like yeah. it's like oh my gosh restaurant food would taste so good i just ate two they, cheetos do they have uh do they have any like coconut shrimp on there i could go for a coconut well, there, shrimp. Is some, there is a lot of shrimp because a lot of the shula's restaurants uh shula restaurant group Restaurants are based in Florida. Sure, uh, restaurant so there's a lot of seafood. It's a lot of surf and turf. Um, so, for example, if you were to if you were to Shula Steakhouse, let's say we drive up to Chicago, I would recommend maybe start off with some of their blackened sea scallops. Uh, okay. These are served on uh, pineapple mango salsa it uh, sucks. with agave nectar. Uh, that, that sounds really good. Stop yeah, talking. That, yeah, that only sets you back 18 bucks. Oh. Um, and then you could also, another nice way to start the meal would be with their uh, blackened tenderloin tips, which are served with uh, Cajun, Cajun spices. Now we're talking. Uh, Baron, and Baronese and barbecue sauce. Ooh. And then, of course, you got to go with the Shula cut uh, for, your, for your entree, which is center cuts of premium black Angus beef hand selected and aged to perfection still undefeated um and that ranges in price so we 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 start out with eight ounce filet mignon at 48 dollars up to the 48 ounce porterhouse at 95 dollars um now but that's not all if you think you know shula's and you only know shula's steakhouse that's just the tip of the iceberg because shula's too uh conveniently located in miami lakes florida and cleveland ohio 
Uh, this is your local hangout. This is where memories happen. Go to He's grab from Ohio. Shoeless Two. Shoeless from yeah, Ohio. Shoeless Two. Uh, this is this is where you go to grab a drink with friends and watch the game. Just hang out with family. Great times guaranteed. Um, oh, or or, or you guarantee it. Wow. So here, you know, it's a little more casual. So maybe you start out with some street fries, uh, which Korean barbecue beef, sriracha mayo, green onion, cilantro. Only set you back nine bucks. Um, <laughs> Maybe a couple interesting sandwiches you could try. We've got the the pretzel, uh, which is uh, <laughs> not a sandwich. I'll give you hot dogs, but I'm not I'm not budging on twisted German bread, sir. See, that's, yeah. what, that's, that's what you think at first, but then check this out. We've got uh, yeah, pretzel, Grit, uh, griddle, griddled cured eighty one ham, Swiss cheese, stacker pickles, mustard mayo spread, and a soft pretzel roll. That's a sandwich. Thirteen is a Sammy. That sounds good. And then it's called the pretzel, the, the pretzel. That's what it's called. A lot of people get confused by that. A lot of first timers in Miami lakes or Cleveland get confused by that. Um, I they like a pretzel roll. Then, then there's the club shit. Well, pretzel roll with ham and mustard. I mean, that's yeah, a, yeah. That's, that's a good combo. Yeah, that's, that's that's cool. Did you um, say Swiss cheese on that one? Uh, that has Swiss cheese as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah no, there's that combo. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's going to hit the right spot. Yeah. yeah. And I myself wouldn't be eating that because, you know, no ham. Yeah, so. well, come on. We don't need to know about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, also, there's also the club shoeless sandwich, also $13. That's uh, Cure 81 ham, maple glazed turkey, applewood smoked bacon, cheddar cheese, mustard mayo, and a toasted baguette. Mm. Uh, not these, too all shabby. Pretty, uh, these all seem pretty run-of-the-mill. Well, see, that's, that's – come on now. I mean – no, I mean, yeah. good. Uh, the pretzel, it, the pretzel sandwich. Pretzel's, pretzel's interesting. I mean, the club, the club is a club, but it's got Shula in the name. There are no dolphin steaks on any of these menus. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. No, no dolphin steaks. Um, yeah. Now you could go to the, if if you're if you're not in Miami Lakes or Cleveland, you could go to the three four seven Grill, which is in uh, Coral Gables, Lake Mary, Tallahassee, Florida, or Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. What are you doing? This is named in honor of Coach Shula's record 347 career victories. Oh. Uh, this is also a place where you can hang out with friends and watch a game. Okay. Or maybe celebrate a special occasion. So we've got a uh, crispy chicken sandwich. Now this, this is kind of interesting. It's crispy chicken with crispy okay. prosciutto, pickled red onion, spicy aeola, and a brioche style bun. $12. That doesn't sound bad. Twelve dollars, pretty good. Twelve dollars, yeah. Or uh, take it up a notch. You got the chicken and dumplings, nineteen dollars. Ooh. Uh, potato dumplings, heirloom carrots, fine herbs, and chicken velouté, which it has potato an dumplings. So I don't know. You know, it sounds fancy. Or the shrimp and grits for eighteen. Oh, Red pepper, bacon, too. scallion, lemon, shrimp production, cheddar grits. Mm. If you're a shrimp person, you can't go wrong. Shrimp and grits is good. And if you just want to relax, maybe hit up a Shula Burger. Uh, very casual. Airports and stadiums. <laughs> you, yes, you can. You can find Shula Burgers <laughs> in airports and stadiums, or Pinecrest or Tampa, Florida. Okay. Uh, you can get some mouth. Uh, Tampa, uh, Tampa, Florida, please. Yeah. You can get some mouth-watering one-third pound burgers. I'm not sure what that translates to in kilograms, but um, uh, it's like. 200 or 100 about 180 kilograms okay mouth-watering 180 kilogram burgers did you say a third pound a third pound yeah i think it's like 100 well 180 grams i think is what okay a mouth-watering 180 gram burger i'm guessing uh you got the shula burger french onion mushroom swiss the heater black and blue barbecue the don they're all there or no i'm not eating any black and blue that's gonna have blue cheese on it you can opt for the sobe steak sando that's for sand. That's short for sandwich, and that's thirteen ninety nine. Sando. Yeah, and hey, if you're on the go, check out right. Shula Bar and Grill at airports in Fort Myers, Jacksonville, or Miami. Cool. So it's so, about one hundred and fifty grams. That was pretty close. Okay. I think there's like four, delicious one hundred fifty gram burgers. I want to say there's like four hundred and thirty four or four hundred fifty four grams. I was just yeah, grabbing four, I think. some to 
my second grader daughter this morning about how much more sense the metric system makes than uh, absolutely than our system. It, it yeah. is insane. Um, our system but, is inferior. But there is something to, if you hear someone say, would you rather have a third pound burger or a 150 gram burger? I mean, a gram burger, I mean, that's... First of all, most people that use the metric system aren't eating burgers that size. That's an American thing. Third <laughs> <laughs> pound doesn't seem overwhelming, does it's it? Not too bad. Yeah, that seems like a European size. I mean, I would say the American thing would be to eat three of those. Yeah, well, no, they'd all be on one sandwich. <laughs> yeah. It's a pound burger. Yeah. One pound. And that's just the meat. Yeah. Not all the accoutrements. Now, the, you know, I will say, Rowdy, you are the expert on this because we did go to a restaurant here. I actually went out of business, I think, Bub's Burgers, mm. where they had a deal that you, was it one and a half pound burger? So it started out about one and a half pounds. Then it cooked down. It cooked down to the fine. So a lot of times when you hear like it's a quarter pound burger or third pound burger, whatever, that's the that's the starting pre-cooked weight. So this one has has already cooked down and it still weighs a pound. And you finish that guy off. And Mm -hmm. this is your younger self. This was, yeah, I would have been about 21, 22. And yeah, so if you finish the burger, mm-hmm. I mean, you had to pay for it, um, yeah. but they took your picture and put it on the wall. And so, uh, yeah, I, I did eat the Bub's burger. No, uh, no, cocky, cocky you, after you were done, what did you do next? Um, you ordered another one. No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you ordered. No, this is somebody else. No, go home with. Because what I did, here's what I did when I ordered it. I finished (laughs) barely. Because the bun is no joke either. The bun is basically a loaf of bread. Um, Like it's a it's a good sized bun, and and then. Uh, the Monon Trail, the old, uh, like a running trail next to it, I was like, oh, I feel great. So I went out and, and was like, watch this. And I started jogging on the Monon. And then I'm like, oh, I need to get home fast. Um, and, but it's an emergency up, situation. Yeah, this is up in Carmel, which is a, a, a northern uh, suburb of Fuji. Bougie like minutes. Yeah. Me. So yeah, it was it was a it was quite a drive. And that wasn't you who ordered another one. Who was mm-hmm. with it? Finished it and said that was good. I think I'll have another one. Not me, because I because <laughs> I didn't eat I didn't eat beef for a good week. Uh, it was at least a month, maybe two months after. Wow. Because part, part of the part of the problem was the, the stock beef. market dipped because yeah. of that. Well, there's there's <laughs> so much se- there was so much seasoning. It was so salty. I had a hangover the next day. Uh, uh, it was so it was so salty. Um, a meat coma. Yeah, it was. It was just too much. It was too much. Mm-hmm. So I, I I was like, it just didn't sound good for a while. Which yeah, like that's that's rare. Um, but I'm coming up on about that for uh, for my beef intake. There's got to be a better way to say that, but <laughs> yeah, you hear it. Sometimes you say it, and then you hear it after it comes out. You're like, "No, I heard, I heard that now." Yeah. Uh, hey, man, uh, you guys want to talk films? So this week for Real Sports, we watched the Steven Soderbergh joint, High Flying Bird, for free if you subscribe to Netflix. Um, so not really so not free. <laughs> well, it's free. So this is this is uh, this car's free as long as I pay my bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this was released on Netflix. Um, it, so was, as I said, it was directed by Steven Soderbergh. The script was by Terrell Alvin McCraney, who also wrote Moonlight. Um, that share joint? No, that was Moonlighters. Moonlight. <laughs> Never mind. Just move on. <laughs> Oh, that was Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Uh, yeah, no, the writer of Moonstruck is probably dead. What was uh, I thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of the Bruce Willis show. Wasn't that the Moonlighter? Moonlighting. 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 Yeah. Sybil Shepherd. So, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, so this movie is we'll about a, uh, a a basketball agent. Um, 
uh, is that what you call him? Ray Burke. Yep. Yeah. Uh, played by Andre Holland, also yeah. from from uh, Moonlight. And they never mention the NBA, but mm-hmm. you basically assume it's the NBA. They're very That's smart so about how they how they talk around the NBA. Uh, but essentially, there is a uh, what do you call it? A lockout? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like a strike. Lockout. Lockout. Um, and the so Ray, the agent, is trying to figure out basically how to do good for his his clients, um, and you know potentially resolve this this uh, this lockout. Um, what'd you guys think? Thumbs up. A uh, big thumbs up for me. I yeah, I like this movie a lot. I we like got another. It. We got it's another good. three thumbs up movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think this well, is the this first. Is the second one, I think. No, 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 yeah, 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 two in a row now. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I liked it visually too. It was shot with all iPhone eights, right? Yeah, so it was shot. It was the entire movie was shot with an iPhone eight. There was a special uh, wide angle lens um, that Soderbergh used. Uh, I mean, the uh, the process for making this movie was pretty interesting because they. Um, they filmed the entire thing. It was like, I think a three week shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, uh, um, so yeah, so it's filmed, filmed on an iPhone eight, obviously, you know, there, there's, they're still running sound. They're using a special lens. You can just pick up your iPhone and, and film a movie like this. But, um, Soderbergh actually finished the rough cut of the film only three hours after they wrapped shooting which is insane um Didn't you use some sort of open source editing or was it on the iphone itself wasn't he using some oh, like the ios editing yeah oh, i don't know i think he cool. limited himself to some sort of free um software to edit it as well that's wild yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool Oh. Yeah, I mean it's it, it it was interesting, and and so the whole movie, I mean it's obviously it's it's fictional, um, but then they also interspersed it with they had Carl Anthony Towns, Donovan Mitchell, and Reggie Jackson, who are kind of giving insight into their experiences as um, rookies in the NBA and and kind of what that what that experience is like moving into the NBA, kind of figuring out who you can trust, who you can't. Um, all that. So, um, yeah. What'd you guys, uh, what, what are your, um, detailed opinions of, of this film? Well, I'd say first off, um, you know, usually at this point we give some sort of like, uh, plot overview, but yeah. what I found interesting about this movie was it, it kind of unravels like a caper. Mm-hmm. It has pacing, like there's... Well, Soderbergh did Ocean's Eleven, and... There, but there's some mild suspense yeah. to it. There's, there's not a ton. I mean, you kind mm-hmm. of see that the the machinations in work in, in progress. And so, you know, thinking about it as like a story is one thing, and I think it was a good story, but thinking about it as like social commentary, I, to me, just took it to the next level. I don't mm-hmm. know what you thought about that, Reed. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, we give people that haven't seen it a little bit of background here. the the, the main The main idea is that they're these rookies coming into the league during a lockout, so they're not technically signed to pro- the professional basketball league, so they don't have contracts with the teams, and so they are they have the ability to use social media and use other means of media to. Um, earn money and sell their likeness and play in different games because they're not bound contractually to any kind of big parent company or overarching uh, league. So that's kind of where it gets into the whole uh, kind of labor discussion and scheme that these young guys are trying to navigate between you know, making it to the professional basketball versus not getting their contracts and having to figure out other ways to earn until this lockout ends. So, yeah, I'm with you, Snoop. I thought it was really interesting to think about it from 
from a, a labor perspective for sure. Yeah, for, there was there was so many things. I think what why I liked it so much is that labor perspective. But just using the vehicle of sports to tell the story of America, right? In a lot of ways, and in none of it, except for what a fifteen seconds, thirty seconds, two times in the film, there was not even a basketball being dribbled, mm-hmm. but it was telling the story of a basketball player and. Um, kind of expanding what that can mean outside of big game, big shot, big play. It's talking about all of the, like they called it, the game on top of the game. Right. Yeah, I, thought, I thought this was an interesting, interesting quote. So the, uh, throughout there's a, um, there's a uh, older uh, coach that coaches at like a Bronx community center that the agent is is you know kind of constantly seeking for advice and uh so he says um look there's a reason why the nba started integrating as the harlem globetrotters exhibition started going international control they wanted the control of the game we play that we played better they invented a game on top of a game so throughout yeah they keep referencing this the, the nba which they uh, uh, I guess he did. He did specifically reference there, but uh, yeah, the NBA essentially as a game on top of the game of basketball. Um, and did you? Uh, not only is he running this community center, but at one point he had started his own league. Right. They yeah. were running. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, what was that? I blanked on. I always keep wanting to call him Steph, the character. Spencer. 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 Yeah. So Spencer, the older, wiser uh, coach, father figure, yeah, had started. It's it's kind of rolled out at some point, like, because Ray, the league character, says, when you started your league, how did this go? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what happened? And he basically said, we started getting traction, and then the NBA put a stop to it. The, the league put a stop to it. They just started buying players and we didn't have the runway to continue to, to uh, exist. So we had to fold Yeah. You know, when the big man, and then that's just the story of capitalism in a lot of ways, isn't it? For Where sure. You, you got these innovators and uh, you know, if somebody with more money doesn't want you to exist, regardless of if you have a better product, you know, they're going to crush you. They'll crush you. Yeah, that's the story of the electric car, right? That's right. Uh, and the and the diesel engine over the gasoline engine. There was a couple uh, moments of that where you know he was in those moments. He talks about how he just wants to hold it for a moment, uh, so they know. So they, being the NBA, he wants to. So they know that he knows and that he could if he wanted to, almost like reinforcing that idea that I, you know, the labor force actually is your product and we have the power to overturn this whole system when we figure out what's going on. When we figure out your game, you're going to see the power that we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a really cool message. It's it's timely. I think, I think we're going to see some of this. Yeah. Especially when you talk about yeah, when you talked about when we talked about last week, you know, I think the NCAA is different because they've done and they've actually done a good job of stifling a lot of this because right. they have been able to. People are going to have those allegiances to their school regardless of whether or not they have a team, or the students are getting paid. It's not going to change. Right. The, the professional sports are different. I think that you have a lot more uh, ability to organize and change the structure, institute free agency, mm-hmm. uh, step outside of the norm and, and uh, do something different than you do in the NCAA because they, they don't have the same fear, I don't think, of uh, fans walking away and just following players. You've, you actually follow teams in NCAA. Yeah. Unless you're like me, and then I just follow players in professional sports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's changing too. I mean, yeah. I think, I think players. Yeah, 
players, that's what I'm saying is like in professional sports, we just follow players, especially with right. the advent of, of free agent sports and, and fantasy. Yep. Yeah, all those things wrapped into one. We just care about players. Right. We don't care about teams. Right. Uh, for the most part, it's always fascinated me. Like, I don't have a big allegiance to the NBA in general. And when I do, I'm just interested in players and plays. Mm-hmm. And just, which they kind of mentioned in this uh, as well, talking about how, you know, the whole media empire has been upended as well. That now the power is within all of these different platforms we have, like, it's in your pocket. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, you know, something can blow up, get 24 million views. And now all of a sudden that, that has some sort of uh, value behind it, some especially right. monetary value behind it. So or you can message an opposing player's girlfriend on Instagram. Exactly. It changes everything. Once you can do that, once you yeah. can start sliding into their DMs, <laughs> over, over. So there was an interesting, so I think, yeah, definitely the, you know, the talk about um, labor and kind of where the money's flowing is, is a big part of this, but there was a, an interesting um, article I, I read that um, was in the Los Angeles review of books on, on their blog by uh, this guy, Nathan Kalman Lamb, who um, he co-authored a book called out of left field, social inequality in sports. And um, he makes the case that there's even a deeper issue here and that um and i was kind of thinking about this too because you know when all is said and done i mean when when things work out uh in this movie your your agent is still going to be making a lot of money and advancing in his career your players are going to be making lots of money and advancing in their career um in the people who are um representing the players and the, and the players association, the owners, everyone, everyone that you see in this movie at the end of the movie is, is going to be making a lot of money. Um, but I think the, what, the, what was kind of interesting about this is there's a lot of talk about freedom. And so for example, anytime uh, there is any talk about players as commodities or even language, you know, talking about the game of basketball or, or basketball players in terms of slavery, mm. uh, this old coach Spence just basically shuts down. And he has a rule that if you're, if you're on his court and, and you, you talk about players in that way, he has a phrase that you're supposed to say. And he says, uh, and it's, I love the Lord and all his black people. So that phrase is said throughout the entire movie. Um, yeah. But the point of this article is essentially saying that, I guess, at the deepest level, this this film is about um, unfreedom, is how he terms it, an alienation uh, in U.S. capitalism. And yeah. so essentially saying it's not just about who gets the cash. It's about how our entire experience as humans and our, our social relations are all distorted based on um, basically creating commodities of players and creating a commodity of the game. And so essentially um, what what he's what he's shown what 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 this guy is saying that um uh this movie is proposing is is essentially showing like you know hey what if you could see a sport that was free from all of these you know capitalist chains and all the uh, commodification of the players and and even the game itself and so but he kind of he flips that on his head. Uh, or the Soderbergh and, and the um, screenwriter flip that on their head and say, instead of saying, "What if you can see that?" They're making you see it by not showing it to you. Mm-hmm. They're right. showing you the game. They're showing you the thing that uh, they want you to see by blocking it from your view, by never showing you basketball, by yep. just 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 only immersing you in the thing that they don't that behind the curtain 
the thing behind yeah. the curtain, yeah. just only that and not allowing, instead of showing you utopia, they're showing you, and it's not a dystopia, it's unutopia, you know, mm -hmm. like his words of unfreedom. It's, 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 uh, it's not that it, it's almost like this idea of fragile and anti-fragile. It's not that you're, can't be broken. It's just, it's just like a, a third option, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, so cool. I, I liked that about the movie in general. And it was interesting because the one scene where you actually see people playing basketball, we don't see the outcome of the game. And then we find out later that the game had actually been stopped at a tie. Like we don't even they, see the game. We don't even see the no, game. We, we see, see we see it start dribbling and we yeah. see one shot later. Yeah. On. And so, yeah, we find out that Ray actually stepped in and grabbed the ball and wouldn't let go of the ball. And so essentially stopped the game at a tie. And essentially what that whole focus is on is it's, it's the joy of playing, the joy of playing the game and, you know, just being satisfied in the game itself um, versus everything else that goes into the game of basketball. Again, it's the game that's built on top of the game. Uh, right. And so, yeah, I just, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and, and here's yeah, the yeah. other part of that, like, uh, when Ray at the end of the movie, I don't know how much we want to give away, but he's in the meeting with his boss. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's pretty clear the, well, when you watch the movie, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be spoiler, but the lockout is over, but Ray doesn't even, he's not even aware that the lockout is over, mm -hmm. that his goal is so much further than the lockout itself. Yeah. Right. And his initial focus as the first meeting with his boss, he's like, you're, you can't keep telling me you're doing this for the love of the game. You can't keep, you, you know, you're doing it for the money too. But in that moment, it, I think it calls back to that to say, I didn't even know that the game on top of the game was over. Cause I was so focused on getting the game out there. Mm -hmm. We keep using the same word, but do you see what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. he's, he's focused on the players. He's focused on, changing the structure he's fighting the power he's yeah he's not this this small step towards the ending the lockout so everybody gets paid has nothing to do with his final goals mm -hmm. so right. i thought that was really interesting and telling that like you would think that he would have it's it's also a juxtaposition of seeing so many screens throughout the movie even he walks into his, uh, his ex's office and says, turn on the TV. And there's constantly a TV and there's constantly a game on and there's constantly news being shown. Yeah. And then in that moment, that's all stripped away. It's two people in a room and the news that this, this MacGuffin of the lockout that we're, that we think this is what would happen. This is the moment in a sports story the triumphant moment the big the big uh play it's like well i didn't even know it happened mm -hmm. and then he moves on yeah to, to the next meeting yep uh, which i thought was, was also like a really cool uh, not only just a great cinematic moment but also uh a cool idea that the themes of the movie you know play on and when you listen to well i shouldn't say that because that'll give too much away yeah well so another another aspect that i think is interesting about this is like essentially what they're describing um i was reading up on when the lockout happened in 2011, 2011. yeah and a lot of the best season ever because it was a shortened season it was great well, and in, in the meantime, while every while the lockout was happening, there were actually uh, NBA players were actually organizing games in just in communities around the country, and you know playing on you know street you know playing street ball things like that, and essentially like allowing fans who probably you know that can't afford to go see them play uh, in a normal season, a chance to actually get up close and, and, and see them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there was, 
a quote from Kevin Durant where he was saying, um, I just want to hoop. I do it for everybody back here that really did get a chance to see me that much. Um, and basically, um, at the end of it, he said that uh, it one of the games he played at uh, Rucker Park, he scored 66 points in a game and then was mobbed by fans. And he just said, you know, it was unbelievable. Uh, it was one of the best moments of my life. So I think even the, even the NBA players, when they have this, this, you know, this kind of interaction that's on, I guess, their terms or, yeah. or whatever, that's, you know, the game, uh, that without the, the game built on top of the game, uh, it's just interesting that like, that's kind of how it played out in real life that, um, a lot of the players were actually kind of embracing it. I mean, I'm sure they also like to be paid, <laughs> but, yeah. um, well, but that's yeah, why that just... Rucker Park kind of thing exists though, too. I mean, anybody that's anybody has gone there to New York and played. I mean, there's Kobe footage and LeBron foot. I mean, everybody loves going to that, the crowd, the neighborhoods out, you know? Yeah. So it is, it's interesting that there, how many layers of everything there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, this this the movie, the layers that really stuck out were uh, old media is gone. Uh-huh. There are there because of that. There's opportunities where there are no more gatekeepers, right? Uh, and then ex the exploitation of labor that goes mm-hmm. on in the old system, and just like uh, uh, in a lot of ways, it was like overturning capitalism in some respects. But I think thinking of this as Steven Soderbergh, knowing that he got his start, the sex lies of videotape kind of mm-hmm. made it low budget movie. And he's always thinking about ways to go around traditional channels uh, of distribution, traditional channels of making movies um, that I think this is also somewhat of a commentary on him and his uh yeah. On, in his career and then also like trying to um trying to push the next uh generation of creatives forwards create and creators forward to say you can do this without all of the, that other stuff for sure you can well, just do this with a creative industry i mean the more channels you got to go through and the more budgets you got to deal with that kind of thing just stifles any kind of creative stuff or can yeah, mm-hmm. and also make a lot of cool things possible too. But yeah, I mean, more likely than not, it stifles yeah. creative ideas. And there's obviously a ton of stuff about race that we can get into next yeah. week. We'll get into that next week for sure. Yeah. So yes, that leads into next week where our movie will be Salute on Amazon Prime, which uh, is free. a documentary. It's free. About it is free on Prime if you subscribe to Prime. Bezos <laughs> wants you to watch it. Uh, and it was a 2012 documentary. It's about the uh, 1968 Black Power salute at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you watch High Flying Bird, you'll you'll understand how this ties in High Flying Bird. So we'll Good probably talk it. a little bit more High Flying Bird next week too. So um, check it out. Salute on Prime. Well, that's it. We did it. We did sports. As always, I want to thank the Minister of Sound, Mikey, Jet Belly Music, the Commissioner, Brandon Casburn, Food Editor, Dennis Chu, and the Honorary Ball Boy this week is... I'm excited about this. I'm hearing people are saying that we got somebody coming back to the NFL. Marshawn Lynch is talking to the Seattle Seahawks. If we have a season... We might see Marshawn back, back in that seafoam green. Yeah, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us. All about that action ball. At gmail.com with any questions, headlines, or topics you want to discuss. Don't mess with my chicken. And don't forget to rate us on instrumental. And <laughs> the new episodes will be there every Thursday, but we will last. How about some sports? How about it? There's a high flying bird flying way up in the sky And I wonder if she looks down as she goes on by